Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, May 29th, 2022. And we're continuing our worship service where we left off. We're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. I thought of the week. Take it from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Just in case we didn't get the message from the previous verse, we have the next phrase, not by works. I would hope the matter is settled here by the tough and direct word used. However, it is not. Many walk away from, the, from these verses and still see works as integral to securing and maintaining their salvation. Some see it as a challenge to the belief that works must be involved. Their challenge is how this verse fits in their, into their view of salvation. The thought never occurs to them that they are wrong and need to drop their stance and embrace God's grace and His way. Their position is perfectly logical to them. And they feel that somehow God must allow also share their logic. Why far though such difficult verses is beyond them. But they will twist and turn the meaning until they are satisfied that Paul is not really saying that they that they don't need works at all, but that he is referring for, to something else, and they can see, and they can still have it their way. I am not guessing about how they view the scriptures. I was on that side many years ago. I said, I still remember my reason, the twisting, the arguments, and the problems I had with this particular verse. No wonder the word is saying that it's good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Take it from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I was simply rebuked, and no matter how I rationalized this verse stung me, finally, I simply submitted to God in his way. Once is your faith club looking at it, their way of salvation is personally their way of looking at it because the religion teaches many people that somehow the other works are involved. Where Christianity is just the opposite. It's what God did for mankind, not what we could do for God. So a lot of people are somehow they fall into religion and they don't like to they don't see it God's way. They see it upon their own merits that they must do something for God. Now realize that God already done something for mankind. He sent forth his son to redeem us from the curse of the law. And that believing in Christ is the good news that we have salvation by belief that our works are not involved at all. So salvation is based upon believing in Christ that he as the man of God, he sees as God's man did everything upon what we did for us to sustain the salvation works that he did on the cross. So that's what I get out of thought of the week. 
and stop our works so that we can unfold. So I can hand it over to Fred. You give us the the, the prayer now. Amen. All right, Fred. Thank you, Dave. Um, at this time, I uh, would like to know, is anybody in need of special prayer? Well, um, I just will say uh, Dave's daughter, Lenora, um, asking for special prayer. I know she's going to have surgery coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Also, Dwight's wife, um, her name is Gretel, if you could read, uh, pray for her as well. Thank you. Um, let us go before the throne of God for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are eternally grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to come before you this Sunday morning. Thanking you, Lord, for all your many great blessings and mercies, Lord, your tender mercies and faithfulness towards us. Um, go without saying. Thanking you, Lord, for blessing us and keeping us um, um, special prayers, Lord, for our pastor, Doug Presley, that he may preach the word in season and out of season. May he may continue to preach the word and bring forth the message of the gospel of this kingdom. Asking special prayer, Lord, for Lenora, Dave's daughter, as she approaches surgery, Lord, you know her situation. We're asking you, Lord, to come by and see about her and bring her through the surgery successfully. Also asking, Lord, for prayers for Dave's wife, Gretel. You know her situation. Asking, Lord, that you would also come by and see about her situation. Also, Lord, in talking about the world as asking for special prayer for the families in Buffalo, New York, of those 10 people who perished. Also asking for special prayer for those 19 children and two teachers who were murdered in that Texas classroom, asking that you comfort and come near those families. These blessings and concerns, Lord, we ask in, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name who paid the penalty for our sins. In Christ's loving name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Fred. Uh, thank you, Dave. We appreciate that. Uh, <clears throat> yep, we have had some tragedies this last few weeks here. Um, I know a lot of families are reeling as a result of these uh, mass killings that are going on. Uh, it hurts us to even think about uh, things like that. <clears throat> But yes, we're in the world, and we're in dangerous territory. Let's just keep that in, in mind and as we go about our business here in the world. <clears throat> so we're going to get right to it. Um, you have notes, and in your notes we have uh, 
Uh, we're in John chapter 17, verse 19. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly may be truly sanctified. So we took some time to understand how we are to be sanctified in verse 17 and how it helps us to be sure of the direction we are to travel in this world. Once we know the direction, we can move deliberately toward the goal of fulfilling his purpose for us in this world. Like Christ, we should be mission-minded during our time here. Not only that, <clears throat> but we must also be motivated by a purpose higher than what may that what may promote ourselves and that is the father's eternal purpose the spirit of truth has been bestowed on us for this very purpose while here in the world there is no autopilot we must be engaged every step of the way with humility to follow the Spirit's influence in our lives. Yeah, I was as I was reading that, I was stumbling and I thought, man, who wrote that? <laughs> and then I realized, yeah, it was me. Anyway, uh, hopefully you got the point of that. And uh, it's okay to laugh at ourselves sometimes, to think about none of us are perfect in anything we do we could be flawed and it helps us to, to keep ourselves humble and always mindful that you know we're not there yet but we, we did cover this to some extent we covered um, the first part of this all of the whole point one we covered for them I sanctify myself. This is Jesus talking. <clears throat> and he's saying that he's going to sanctify himself for them. And them is the disciples and obviously us as well. We benefit from Christ's commitment, his dedication, his, his setting himself apart for this particular purpose. And we, we covered that. Now, I will review... I will review point E down, and then we'll get to two. That'll give us a quick review. Point E, I sanctify myself. We already understood what it means to be sanctified. But what does it mean for Jesus to be sanctified? So the first, to sanctify means we just to be set apart for to God for his special purposes. <clears throat> when I said not everyone is sanctified, I mean that... Uh, this is special. So God didn't say, I'm going to sanctify, I want the whole human race to be sanctified. To be sanctified means that we're in God's special purposes and calling. Christ is certainly, he was an elect person. Christ was called before the world began. This plan has to do heavily with Christ's not only person, but his participation in the plan. Even when Fred finished his prayer, he says, it is in the name of Jesus that we're praying. And the only reason why we have uh, the right to approach God, because of Jesus. It was because of what he did, his calling. So when we pray, when we, when we proceed in this world, we don't proceed under our own name. 
we proceed because of the path that Jesus already took for us in this world. So, not, when I say not everyone is sanctified, that's special. Christ was sanctified. We ought to be sanctified. And we already saw that in verse 17. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Point, point number two, and that's what it means to sacrifice your, your life here, to be set apart. Now, God did that for us when we were baptized by the Spirit. But now, even though that's true of us, can we live according to that? It, can we order our lives according to what God has already done for us in terms of our sanctification? Christ did. He demonstrated it when he was here. So point number two, Jesus recognizing his responsibility to the Father commits himself to the Father's plan. That literally is how he did it. He committed himself to, he ordered his steps to what the Father had planned for him from eternity past. And Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined those he predestined to be uh, he also conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Christ knew about that. He, this is something he knew in the planning stages of before the creation of the world. It's crazy for us to be talking like this, right? <laughs> Here we are in church talking about things that happened before the universe was created. What would the world say? to us if they kind of listened in on what we're talking about. What would they say? They would say we're crazy. How would we possibly know what happened before the universe was created? How could we? That's what they would say. And you know what I say back to them a lot of times? I, I hear sometimes them making predictions and things. This is what they say. 650 billion years ago, this happened. I'm like, really? How you how you know what happened 650 billion years ago? Really? You know? They speak with such certainty. Yes, we know that this happened uh, 300 million years ago. Even 300 million years. They got billions of years. It seems like time for them is the answer to solve all mysteries. Wow. Billions and billions of years ago, this happened. This was the this age. Man, they don't know what happened. They, they don't know. I mean, I, listen, it's all theory. But they sound intelligent. And people believe them. Well, I, listen, we're talking about before time began. How do we know? Well, we don't know. But the spirit of truth has revealed these things to us. That's the only reason why we know. And... Uh, it's clear to us that God the Holy Spirit has made this information known. It's right here in the scriptures. It's in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is make, making it real, uh, real to us. So we can commit our lives on this earth for the short time that we're here. James says it's but a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke that appears. One moment you're looking at it. Sure enough, it's a puff of smoke. But then you turn away and look back. and Where is it? It's gone how fast our lives are in this world. The time that we have to order our steps according to a special purpose that God has planned for us. Christ did it when he was here. He was only here for a short time, a lot shorter than a lot of us in age are. 
he he only lived to his early 30s. He didn't he wasn't here to 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 years old. He was just here for a short time, but he ordered his steps so that he fulfilled the plan of God for his life. That's what's important. It's not so much how long we lived, it's that we order our steps. We 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 sacrifice the life that yeah, it's ours to live, like the soap opera, one life, we have one life to live. But you you do, but can you give that life over to something that God thinks is important for you, that he planned for you? Can you do that? Because that's the question. Can you sanctify yourself? We're, we're seeing what Christ did, but it should reflect on us as well. Point number three, when Jesus was here, this was the special purpose to which he was committed. And we're, we already saw his attitude about it, right? I love the Father, and I do exactly what the Father has told me. Exactly. He was, he was clear on what, why he was doing what he was doing. He was clear about it. It wasn't like, well, I'm not, I, think, I don't think I want to do it. I don't... Uh, he, he knew what the Father's plan was, and he committed himself. That's what we call, it, it's a sanctification then is a synonym for our motivation of love. Right? Sanctification is where God wants us to, to be in terms of our steps, our experience. But love is the motivation that gets us there. So we can't just decide, well, I'm going to commit myself to whatever it is, and that's it. No, the reason why we're committing ourselves is because God, the Holy Spirit, has revealed this information to us about our destiny, our calling. And now, so now that we understand that, we're able to move toward that in our daily walk. Yeah, when you look at yourself and you look at other people, you can't compare yourself to other people. Because other people may not see what you see. They may not know what you know. They can't com commit themselves to something that they don't know. Many people are talking about they're called. But it's like, called to what? They don't know. They just know they're called. That's a special word that makes them feel special. But it doesn't mean they understand what their calling is. And it doesn't mean that they're committed to fulfilling that call. And that's what's important about being called. It's not just, well, I'm called. It's the commitment it's the dedication that we have in our lives. It's just like God has singled out a special purpose for us. Well, we, once we understand that special purpose, we single that out in our life and make it a priority. We design our scale of values around what God has planned for us, not what is interesting to us in the world. So forever, it's going to be that our way is the cross. It's the, it's the way that God planned for us to travel. That's what sanctification is. And I hope when we think about it, we, we don't think, look, we're already positionally sanctified. We're already seated at the right hand of God. That's the highest, the place of highest honor. It's the right hand of God. We're there already. We don't have to get there. We are there. So now, your service in the world, God is saying, reflect that. I want you to don't think about things on the earth. 
Think about things in heaven. Don't set your mind on things on the earth because that's not where you belong. We're not of this world. We, we covered a lot of this already. So in this prayer, even though it's maybe 20-some uh, verses, it's deep because it helps us understand and orient to what God's plan is for us. Okay, so we, we covered a lot of that. Jesus prepared them. And then point four, Jesus giving himself to this means that we can be baptized into the body and that the new creation of the Father that he desired, that we it can be realized and that this work is specific to the church. So that all that is to say is the fact that Jesus set himself apart and unto the Father for this special purpose. Not only was the salvation plan that he had, as we already covered, but we know that he's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for, for the, the sins of the whole world. We know about all that. and But now we understand that it wasn't just about the sins of the world that he died for. He died for us so that we could be a part of this new creation, that we could experience this sanctification ourselves, this new church age that is dawning. So Christ did all that. And in, in mind, he had all that. Point F is in our notes, and we're moving forward because this is all supposed to be reviewed. We know that Jesus had a work to do for all mankind. That's 1 John 2, 2. But you must see that this work is specific to the church. Hopefully, if you don't see that, then you're missing something. You need to go back and read it over again to see that he's not just talking about the work that he had to do for all mankind. He is talking about the specific work that he has to do for the church. This is the last discourse that Christ is going to have with his disciples. That's it. These are the last words of Christ. It's like his will and testament. What did he have to say? What did, what did he think? You know, if you're thinking about a will, and I know we see this on TV all the time. It's like, I don't know how it really goes, because I've never really been to one where the lawyer sits the family down and he says, this is the last will and testament of dearly departed so-and-so. And everybody kind of sits there like, what's in the will? What, what, what's going to be in the will? And nobody says a word. They're on the edge of their seats to wait to see what the, did he say? What, did, what were his last words? What, does, what were his desires for us? Everybody kind of like sits there. And just waits to hear it. The ears are tuned into every word that comes out of the lawyer's mouth. That's how it is with this discourse. For me, it's like every word that he says helps me to know that I'm represented in these words. His last discourse had me in mind and you. That's important. That's significant for us. If you want to know where in the Bible you are, don't go to where Israel and the law and the Mount Sinai. All that's good for knowing and helping us understand about God. But go here. Because right here, Jesus is talking about you. 
I'm hoping you get that. I'm hoping you see that. He's talking about you. And there was a there was a verse in John 5 where Jesus said to the Pharisees, you searched the scriptures. And they did. They looked at the law. <laughs> he says, for in them you think that you have eternal life. He does. They thought their diligence and being studious and on the law and all that was going to give them eternal life. But guess what Jesus says? Those scriptures testify about me. That's what it's about me. He said, but yet you won't come to me so that you may have life. He told the, the religious leaders that. They're looking at the scriptures. He said, they're talking about me, Jesus said. And I'm telling you today that these scriptures are talking about you and what you are going to do. How are you going to live your life? What is the commitment that you understand from the spirit of truth? And how are you going to order your steps accordingly? That's what it means to be sanctified. Jesus did it. Now he says, I'm doing it so that they may too truly be sanctified. Not according to any old purpose, according to this purpose, the purpose that he was talking about. And it's only logical right, that I say it that way because that's what he was saying. Hopefully we would not stray too far from the point that's at hand. We, we can dissolve into Eastern philosophy I could make the scriptures mean whatever it feels like in, in my life. What's ever going on? Yes, just like that scripture. No, that's not. God has a specific message for you. And I'm hoping you get it. Okay, point number two. We're moving forward. So, first point is Jesus' commitment and dedication of himself to the Father's plan would not end with his death and resurrection. His leadership and commitment continue to this new age. He's, he's not dead. Christ is gone, but he's not dead. He's still doing his job, playing the role that he committed to. Let's look at a couple uh, verses here. Um, John 16, 12 to 15. Uh, this is just to demonstrate that statement. 16, 12 to 15, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Think about that. He has much more to say to us. So, so, so he's going to keep talking to us? Yes, he has much more to say to us, more than we can now bear. Now, so when we think, when we hear from the Spirit of Truth, which we do, Jesus is not presently here. Physically, he's not here. But when we hear from the Spirit of Truth, we're really hearing from Jesus. He's not done talking. right? he got much more to tell us, more than we can now bear. Yeah, he's going to leave tomorrow, literally. He's going to die tomorrow, which is Passover, for the, in, in the context. But... He continues to live. He continues to talk to us through the Spirit of Truth. Let's read about it. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, when was that? Pentecost, that's 50 days from where Jesus is talking. 
when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, it sounds like we're going to be hearing from the spirit of truth. He's going to take over where Jesus left off. No, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. Well, what he hears, he's going to, Jesus is going to tell him what to hear. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So Jesus is not dead. He's in heaven. And he's telling the Holy Spirit what to tell us. This more information, right? All this new information in this dispensation, he's, he's telling the Holy Spirit to tell us. And where's the Holy Spirit getting it? It's getting it from him, from me, that he will receive what he will make known to you. Just read those verses. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and what he will make known to you. Christ is letting you know just like when he was here on earth, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me, right? His motivation, his dedication to the Father's plan, it's still there. It's not over. He's still moving forward with this information. So that's the first point to make here. It's not over. And then 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. I'll read it. 1 Corinthians 2. Now this is a deep chapter telling us uh, about deeper things that are coming that are well not are coming that were already here so verse 16 for who has known the mind of the lord so as to instruct him it says but we have the mind of christ in the context the mind of christ is the deeper things of god it is that which was hidden the, the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began that's the mind of Christ. And we have it. The mind of Christ is not some history book that we discover. It comes from the spirit of truth. That's how we get the mind of Christ, from the spirit of truth. We already read that in 16, John 7, uh, 16, uh, 12 through 15. So that is current information that we're getting. Point B, currently... Where is Christ? He is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's Romans 8.34. He is also interceding for us. Now you could go to John chapter 8. I'll do that, show you what I mean. No, it's not John 8. It's Romans 8.34. 34. Let's look at that. So it says here, for, uh, let's see, 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who it was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is, notice, also interceding for us. This is current. So if you go <clears throat> to Romans 8, 26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps with our helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It is He who searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, 
because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So notice he's interceding for us, the Spirit. And then when we go to verse 34, we find out that Christ, Jesus, is he's raised to life, he's at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. So it's current. It's not something past history book thing that we could read that says I'll always uh, you know down the road I'm gone but these words should live on and ring uh, you know resonate with you no he's saying I'm there literally now in heaven interceding for you that's important to know it's a current thing it's not something that's past uh, so point C is he is directing traffic on the ground too. So when we think about that, notice he's not just in heaven, but in the early church where the church was in its infancy and needed guidance. God gave a lot of the temporary spiritual gifts just for that purpose. But I picked out a couple scriptures here in Acts just to look at to show that Jesus continues to direct traffic. He's, he didn't just say, well, that's it, I'm no longer here. But no, he directs traffic. And also we have uh, John in the book of Revelation in the churches. When Jesus comes and he, he talks to us again, he gives specific direction to each of the churches from heaven. So he says, I know your works. But look at this, I'm going to go to a couple of this. This is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we'll read these quickly. And uh, verses oh, uh, 13 through 15. Just look at that. So 13. This is where Peter. This is Peter's instance. Where Peter is told by the Lord. Get up Peter. Kill and eat. Right? So this is the Lord talking to Peter. Peter hears this in a vision. And this is what the Lord says to him. And this is what Peter says back. Surely not, Lord, Jesus, uh, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. <laughs> Peter's saying, I'm a, I'm a Jew, and I don't eat that way. Uh, we could go back and see that heaven, he saw heaven, this is verse 11, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down and on the earth and it's by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And Peter was like, no, I'm not going to eat anything like that. Uh, I'm a Jew. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken up. So who's directing the traffic? Christ. Christ is doing that. And also, um, <clears throat> if you go to... Acts chapter 22, 6 through 10. We're going to go there right quick. 22, 6 through 10. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the... This is Paul talking. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions 
saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. Uh, who should, and then he says, who shall, what shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. So <coughs> Paul was blinded at that point and had to be led into Damascus. So again, what do we see in this verse? We see the Lord Jesus Christ directly giving instructions on the ground. In Acts, many, this is later, years later, in fact, we see Paul being instructed personally by Jesus Christ. And then we have Acts 23.11. Why did I give this verse? Let's see. 23.11 says, the following night, <clears throat> this is where they had this huge uproar when they tried to kill Paul. Remember, I think we talked about it. I'm not sure when, but we did discuss this. And they had a plot to kill Paul, right? They said these people said, we're not going to eat or drink until they have killed Paul. But the, but the, the, the night before that, Jesus spoke to Paul gave him instructions. This is a crucial time because it could have been that the 12th apostle that, that God had picked was, you know, was going to be killed. So he gave him instruction. He says, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. In other words, don't worry about it. We got this covered. You're not going to be killed, right? So, um, this is interesting. Again, on the ground, the Lord directly speaks. And this is what he did in the early church. There was no word of God that Paul could appeal to or others. But we have this temporary uh, making sure that the church was going to be okay in uh, this early stages of its growth. And we needed that guidance. It was just temporary because we don't have to get that guidance today. We got the word of God. That's how we're sanctified. The truth, right? But they didn't have it then. So Jesus personally made sure. So he was, I say he was directing traffic on the ground. And then <clears throat> point D in our notes, we're moving forward, where it says that they too, who, they too, that, that, who is they? That's us, the church. Uh, we are to be sanctified in the same way uh, as Jesus. That's important for us to understand. His purpose is our purpose. It's not two purposes, one for Jesus and one for us. He's saying, I'm setting myself apart for them, that they too may be sanctified. Sanctified according to what? The law, Mosaic law? No. According to this purpose. That's why I'm telling you, that this discourse has your name on it. Moses didn't know about it. It was hidden from him. And, and we go future, if we go into tribulation, people will be talking about this verse just like we're talking about the Mosaic Law because it's not for them. It was for us. It's, it's forever part of the word of God to mankind because it describes God's eternal purpose. It delineates it clearly for everybody to see. Everybody, even if they're not part of it, they get to see it. But right now, it's for you. 
Just like when the Mosaic Law was given, right then it was for them. Now it's for us to understand. So his purpose is our purpose. When he says that they too, he's talking about the disciples. Obviously, he's talking about us too. Yeah, the church. That would be sanctified. And that's important for us to understand. I want to turn to John 17, 21, and 22. Let's look at that. All these verses sort of dovetail together. 17, 21, and 22. It says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and, uh, and that they may be one as we are one. So he's not just talking about those disciples that are there, the 12 or the 11, we should say. He's talking about all of us, our one, that we're all one. So it's this purpose Christ committed himself to is the same purpose that he is bidding that we commit ourselves to. Point E. The Father's eternal purpose rests in Christ. The Spirit of Truth's purpose is to take the mind of Christ and make it known to us. The pastor-teacher's purpose comes from that influence from the Spirit of Truth. And we already read Ephesians 4, 12 and 13. We'll read it again. Um, we read it earlier. In our session and so 12 and 13 says that the pastor teachers job is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So those two verses talk about our growing up in Christ and reaching this fullness and stature. That is ours to be uh, gained in this world. We can do that. That's a, the pastor's message can get us to the point where we are reach the fullness and stature of Christ. That's not just any measure of growth we already are seeing what we are to grow up into who we are in Christ and all of that is the same purpose so we're not just growing like Jack and the Beanstalk just growing up 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 you know, we have a purpose in our growth there's a direction in where we're going it's not just to be growing up to be saying we're mature if we're not don't if we don't have the same purpose if every, like I gave this whole point, was that you see that it is all aligned. It is, the, it is the Father's purpose that Christ fulfilled, right? It is, it is the Spirit of Truth's purpose that's supposed to accentuate the mind of Christ, right? And that flows down to us. It's the pastor-teacher's purpose that we grow, you know, assist in the role of getting people to the point where they reach the fullness and stature of Christ. It's that, it's that mind. It's that influence. And that all, if you go all the way back, it goes to the Father's plan. 
that Christ had, that the Spirit of Truth has, that the Pastor Teacher has, that we have right here on the ground. Hopefully we see this chain of custody of how it all works. How we, you know, it came from the Father to Christ, to the Spirit of Truth, to the Pastor Teacher, to, to equipping people for works of service. We are not equipping people for works that have to do with the Mosaic Law. I hope that that's not something you would, you would draw a conclusion to. That you would draw the conclusion according to what we just said. Point, that was point E. That's the Father's eternal purpose that we just read. So point F, the sanctification, this sanctification is not for Israel, but exclusively for the church. Exclusively for the church. I don't know how people could get, uh, read these verses and somehow go back and think that we should go back and read Ezekiel or Daniel or some other Old Testament book to understand how to live in this age. I mean, it, I don't, this information that's ahead of us, not information that's behind us, not only will this information ahead of us define us, but it will give us purpose for how we are to walk as those who are in Christ, new creations, uh, with the Spirit and all of that, that we we have this new destiny and purpose that did not exist in the world prior to God revealing it in the person of Christ. So, in John, how do I know it specifically for us? Going back to John 17... And I'm just going to pull two verses, 9, 20, and 21, which we already read. So 17, 9 says, I pray for them, who's them, the disciples, and obviously by implication or application, us. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. That goes all the way back to verse 6. I revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. They were yours, because the Father chose them. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. He's talking about the eleven. He's saying the disciples. That's wonderful things to say about the disciples. But then he's saying, I'm praying for them. I am not praying for the world. This is not a general prayer for all believers everywhere. This is specific information for us. The church. So I'm hoping we see that. And then verse 21 and 22, which you already read, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me. And I'm actually 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. All of us may be one, Father, just as you are in me. I am in you. That's the spiritual dynamics in the church age, the mutual possession that we have as a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. That's one body. It's not all believers. That's Jesus saying, I'm not praying for the world. I'm not praying for anybody else. This is very specific here. And that's what we're talking about. 
that's what we're trying to convey all right so <clears throat> that's just another point to make about our sanctification point g our being predestined to be conformed to the image of his son right right that's that's what it's about right it speaks to our positional sanctification we are to live out that in the world by growing up in him and so we are as here it is are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit that's a large point I guess what I'm trying to say in this point is I'm trying to link everything we had already talked about to the scriptures that are literally saying these very things <laughs> these scriptures are saying we're being predestined to be conformed to the image of his son right that speaks of what god did for us positionally he did this from eternity past right and but we are to live out that in the world just like christ did when he was here growing up being transformed into his image, the ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Spirit of the Lord. Right? 2 Corinthians 3, 18. That's, those are our marching orders as we think about how we're supposed to live in this world. Right? He told us who we are. He told us our destiny, where we're going. Now he tells us, live according to it. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So that's what's important about us. Point H, we're moving through this. Our beholding Jesus, like his sanctification by the Spirit, motivates us to also set ourselves apart in this world for this special purpose. So when I look at these verses, and I tell and it's literally, it's not like Jesus is telling us something to do something that he himself is not subject to he did it he sanctified he says I'm gonna sanctify myself that they too may be sanctified he was the first one to set himself up apart for this purpose with his feet on the ground and what did it look like it said well Jesus did everything the father wanted him to do I he, he came and loved the father he says I love the father what does that mean it means I commit myself i'm devoted to what the, i'm on board with what the father wants i'm not just doing and going through the motions that's what i want too and the spirit is on board now and the spirit is saying that's what i want i want i don't want to do what, what glorifies me i want to do what glorifies christ christ is doing what glorifies the father all of them are on board are you on board do you get it? The fact that this is not just something that we're just talking about in the Bible. This is about you. Directly about you. I mean, you're not going to find verses that Jesus is talking about that more speak to you than these verses. This is it, man. There's no other greater verses for purpose and destiny and hope and encouragement than what we are reading in these and this prayer for us 
telling. He's telling you. I'm not praying for other people right now. Maybe he was praying for the world in other places. But right now, he's saying, well, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going home to the Father. And I need you to know that I'm talking about you. This is the purpose. It's special. When we see that all that Jesus did was about this. Yeah, the salvation plan was important. Yeah, it was. And that was for the whole world. But man, this is the Father's eternal purpose. That's what this is. It's special. And by us looking at what Jesus did and how he did it, it helps us to be able to walk in his steps. It helps us to, to orient our lives according to who we are, what God had told us about ourselves. We have been raised with him, seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus at the place of highest honor. That's us, ordinary us. That's what God planned for us. When are we going to start thinking about that? Will we start thinking about what God had done for us? That God saw that he wanted to have this purpose in our lives, and he did this before time began. And now we're coming around, we're just coming around to seeing it. And will we orient our lives according to it? Will we begin to walk according to it? Is the question for each of us to consider. So that, that is point H. We're going to close with point I. And it's just a verse that kind of says exactly what we've been talking about. May the Lord, as the Lord Jesus Christ, direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. There, there you have the whole thought here. Direction of our hearts. That's, the heart is the seat of our motivation. The world's hearts are wicked and they're running after the things in the world. But God is directing our hearts now. He has a say in our hearts. So what, but what is it into God's love? What is the love of God? Is his plan. And Christ's perseverance. You saw Christ's perseverance, his dedication, his commitment. That speaks of his sanctification. He said, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified. We couldn't be sanctified if it were not for Christ doing the work that he had to do first. We did. He did it. Now we're on the ground, and now he's... He's bidding us to do it. He's encouraging us to walk in that same love and perseverance and purpose that was in him that is now alive in us. Now we just have to get our feet moving according to it. We have to get our mind fixed. It's like exercising, right? We, we, it's a good thing to exercise, but you've got to get it in your head. You got to get it in your mind and before your body is able to work it out. And you got to get that commitment, that drive, that motivation to say, I'm going to do this. This is it. I'm, I'm doing this now. Every day I wake up. I may not feel like it, 
but I'm going to do it every day. And that's, but you know it's for a good purpose. <laughs> you know it is. Some days you're going to feel like, I don't feel like doing that today. But that's, that's exercise, okay? We may miss it. We may hit it. Just like the scripture says, physical exercise profits little. But exercise in this profits much. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. It profits much. So I say to you, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Let's bow our heads as we close. We'll continue with these thoughts next week. Thank you, Father. We're glad that these things that we are reading, we've come to know that they are about us. They are referencing directly who we are. It's, it sees us even now in 2022. We thank you for choosing us. We couldn't have in any way have been a part of this were it not for your choice in the matter. And we, all we can do is recognize what you've done, what you've called us to, and answer the call. Answer it by learning our destiny and ordering our steps accordingly. So we thank you again for your choosing. We thank you for your grace. Because we didn't deserve it. We didn't ask for it. We, we can't earn it. Nothing we do, even our sanctification, whether or not, whether or not, we know that it is your sovereign grace that has chosen us for this. And what an opportunity, what a privilege and honor to be chosen for this purpose. So we thank you. Father, you know we're living in this world and uh, it's a dangerous world. And we pray for our safety <coughs> wherever we are in this world, we pray that um, we may continue the mission that is before us and that all of us may fulfill <coughs> our destiny. It's in Christ's name that we make all of these requests and, and we are thankful. Because of him, we are able to approach the throne of grace where we can find mercy. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.